Welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast who are proud to be sponsored by the Insurance Practice. The team at the Insurance Practice specialise in family protection and life insurance and who better to look after you and your loved ones than fellow Rangers fans. Listeners of the Gallant Few will get a free protection review so get in touch with the team at www.theinsurancepractice.co.uk or contact the Gallant Few for more information. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast. My name's Colin McDuff and I'll be returning to the host seat today. Joining me to review Rangers 1-0 either win or robbery, depending on how you see it, over Celtic. Um, we'll cover that as well as the meltdown that, info- that ensued afterwards. I've got Mr Graham Curry. How are you doing, Graham? Hello, Colin. And Ian McCready. How are you, Ian? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's... Um, Tell you what, at half time uh, yesterday, I thought this was going to be a very different show, but here we are. Um, so, first things first, Ian, did you manage to wake up quicker <laughs> than five minutes before the game? I did. I did. Just about. Nah, I was up early, nice and early, obviously. Um, it's one of the an old firm days, like Christmas Day for a five year old for us, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's you're up, crack of dawn, and, and, and can't wait for the game to get started. What about yourself, Graham? Were you, were you up crack at dawn or did you even go to sleep for the night before? No, I was up early to um, watch a few of the old games. A few, that's what I tend to do. I tend to watch the old games to get me in the mood. And then I watched one of the the documentary that, that Rangers put out um, in memory of the 66. So I watched that, which was um, a really touching documentary. Um and it is kind of was very emotional at the start of the game, wasn't it? I, I wish I'd have watched it maybe the night before, or had I watched it um, a wee bit earlier because it was a wee bit emotional at the start of the game. But yeah, it was anyway um, really touching tribute. I've not actually managed to watch that one back myself, but that's obviously um, I think everybody listening will know the second of January was the 50th anniversary of the Ibrox disaster, and. I think uh, occasions like this does put does put something like an old firm game into perspective. Goes without saying the darkest day that's ever happened uh, for our club. And in the build up game, um, so as I said, I've I've not actually watched the, the Rangers documentary, but I watched the the Stairway Thirteen documentary on BBC, and I think uh, there's been a lot of really really fitting tributes this week. Um, a lot of them have been tough watches, but it's it's absolutely done justice um, the, the occasion. Ian, you mentioned you watched Star TV um, for before the game, and uh, Walter Smith um, was speaking about it as well, eh? Yeah, he was, he was telling the story of how he wasn't involved with Dundee United that day, so him and his brother went along to the match, and they were really lucky he managed to escape uh, actually down the staircase and he says he was they climbed over a fence somehow. He escaped the crush. But he says he also says that that was kind of expected at the time because it was kind of something you took for granted, like the crush, that it was it was going to happen because there was just so many people at the games then. Uh, because there was obviously the standing, you could get a lot more people in and 
probably a lot more people went in than were actually counted. But he, him and his brother, they say he says they were lucky to escape over a fence. And it wasn't until a couple of days later he seen the picture and he realised how bad it was. When you hear story, stories like that and the stories that was on Sky Sports as well, I thought Sky Sports done very well. They had Derry Johnson on as well as um, an interview with a survivor and uh, the brother of a victim. Um, it was a tough watch, but when you hear it, the kind of first-hand recollection, it resonates so much. Um, and 50 years on, I think it goes without saying that the absent friends will never be forgotten. So both clubs, uh, sorry, both teams uh, led a, a wraith in the middle of a pitch uh, by both captains, Carl McGregor and James Tavernier. And both teams observed a minute's silence before the game kicked off. So on to the, the actual game, the, the team that lined up for Rangers, Alan McGregor, James Tavernier, Connor Goulton, Liam Balligan, Borna Barisic, midfield three of Stephen Davis, Glenn Kamara and Joe Rebo, and then front three of Ryan Kent, Kamar Roof and Alfredo Murray. But how how did you think about that, that team, how they lined up? It was a team that I had predicted or pred- what I wanted to see anyway. It was a team that I wanted to see. Uh, so I was comfortable with it. So I wanted uh, I wanted Balogun in at the centre half and replace a Hillander for his pace, um, and I think he justified his selection in that in terms of the, the things that he was able to do in defence midfield. I don't think we had too many options there um, in terms of the midfield three. Who would, the only other one would have been Zungu, which I don't think a debut an old firm debut would have been a, a suitable uh, suitable selection for him. So. No, definitely. The, 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 the starting 11 that I would have went for. Ian, were you surprised that Morelos stayed in the starting lineup? Yeah, a wee bit. I'd said the all day. Like, I'd, I'd maybe have went Roof and Hadji. Um, it was, it's one of the things, can you trust him? And I think two minutes in, he kind of, you're a wee bit worried, isn't aren't you? He's, he's a wee kick at Frimpong, and he's, he's definitely a wee one. He's definitely a broken. After you see that, you just worry, is he going to be the same Daft Morelos that we've seen so many times? But he managed to keep his head. Keep his head but he's, I was surprised he started, but I wasn't disappointed. Like It's not like I really wanted Hadji to play. It was more just a case of Morelos in the old firm games recently has let us down. Yeah, I think uh, I, I was probably like, well, I've been on record saying that I think Morelos... He brings so much to the to the team in terms of the build up play and uh, coming coming in supporting the midfield and stuff. But the last few games, I I thought Haji was a bit hard done by to no be starting. But at the same time, I wasn't too wasn't too unhappy uh, with any of the forward options. So the game kicked off. Um, first real chance came from Celtic, and well, the next few chances came from Celtic, I should say, very early on. Celtic just looked more up for it than, than we did, I think. Being then the next few chances, because the only real highlight was Alan McGregor. Uh, Celtic were allowed to run through the middle for the first chance. Ball goes out way to Edward, who gets the shot away, and it's an excellent save from McGregor. Just his reaction to get down quickly, stopping with the left hand. But what I actually thought, there was a rebound save, and like with the rebound... Edward was actually called offside, but 
So what a class save that was for McGregor anyway. Oh, it was <clears throat> unbelievable. And I think we were victims of that in the League Cup final with Fraser Foster, weren't we? And yesterday, Alan McGregor was just not going to be beat. And the save you said, the offside one, he doesn't know it's offside. Edward doesn't know it's offside. Edward's tra- tried to dink him and McGregor saved it. And then I think Edward has another one again, doesn't he? <clears throat> and McGregor saves that again. And then Edward knocks it past the post. But yeah, they, they two, three saves, whatever you want to say, excellent. And I think we get a better save later on, didn't we, for Griffiths? No, we absolutely did. Uh, so he, I uh, show off the outside the box for Griffiths, and he's he's diving and he's full stretching. At thirty years, thirty eight years old, to have that agility, Graham. This was a, a tremendous save, fingertip push onto the onto the post, and I don't want to tempt fate here, Graham. But I'm going to ask you about this because I think um, you had a go at McGregor midweek. <laughs> there's an old there's an old cliche. Good strikers win your games, but good keepers win your leagues. Am I too early to be saying that? Um, you might be too early. I don't know. I don't know. I, before the game, I was saying we win the game and we win the league. But now that we're actually got that 19 points, um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not willing to just declare the champ. I'm not declaring the, the league yet, but it's looking promising. But yeah, McGregor's the the been the rock at the back to be able to to build on that. So all these clean sheets, you know, all these clean sheets are, are him at the heart of it. I know we've got a few from McLaughlin, but it's, it's McGregor that's the heart of these these defensive displays. He's the organiser as well. You can see he's the organiser. You can see that Goldson's the organiser. Um, yeah, and that the shot stopping yesterday was just fantastic. It was because we were all nervous when they they have when Celtic's got that much pressure on us and that much that much control of the game and then those saves that must be so disheartening for them to think even when we do break through we're still not getting past that keeper so yeah a fantastic display man of the match display for McGregor what I loved most about that uh, that save where he pushed it on to the post every the majority of top keepers in the world would be delighted with that and be looking for the the plaudits and the praise straight away for his teammates mcgregor turned around and started screaming at the ref i didn't touch it the half the post i love that reaction yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's uh he's nuts but we love him so that's us pretty much covered off all the all the good points of the first half boys ian what what were we missing in the first half what what was what was it any intensity, we just kind of stood off them. Um, we've seen in the past when we go and press them and hurry them, like they, they kind of crumble. We just kind of let them play. I don't know if it was it more of them being good this time, and or was it a bit of both? Because I did feel like we weren't pressing the same way as we have in, in all games. I, I don't mean like against St. Mirren and Dundee United and stuff like that, I mean like against. Lech Poznan and, and Benfica. We just never pressed them. I'm, I'm, like, I, just, I, f- I felt we stood off them too much and gave them too much respect. So, Graham, it, it got to it got to half-time and going back to the midfield, I, I think we were really missing Ryan Jack or Scott, Scott Arfield for that intensity. I think, for me, the, the midfield were very too... They were too passive. Uh, and then... We were only really getting the follow-up for a chance. Like anytime 
the fault they were getting the ball up there, they were isolated and they were sitting. But at halftime, I'm looking at the bench and, you know, we'd, we don't have Jack or Arfield to give you that dig wave. I was more thinking Haji coming on for Aribo. I was actually surprised he came on for Kemal Roof. What was your thoughts on that, Sub? Um, yeah, I think it was the right sub. I think it was the right thing to do. Um, I don't think we were not giving the strikers a service in the first half. I thought they were wasteful. I thought we were getting the ball up and they were giving the ball away far too easily. I think what the first half, what, what done us was that their full-backs were so, full up, uh, so pressed ahead and we couldn't get those you know, further up the field. So that's what sort of won the battle, I think, in the first half. Um, well, midfield, you say, was passive. You're probably right. I don't remember too many tackles. Um, I think Kamara maybe overstretched one. He had a bit of a break and he... Um, Broke through the midfield and overstretched and he put in a bit of a late challenge on somebody although he was going for the ball. But in terms of the substitution, I was surprised it came bang on 45 minutes. I, I was surprised it happened at half-time. Um, usually you expect maybe wait for to 60 minutes. But I think it proved to be the right substitution. And you wonder if maybe Hadji should have been on from the start. Maybe the it wasn't the correct three to be playing, but... No, fair play. Managers made the decision at half-time, recognised the the need for a change and I think almost immediately Hadji gives a wee bit of spark up, up front. And I think we do need to give him that praise because we've, you know, we all of us in, in this podcast have been guilty of it. Uh, well, n- maybe not guilty is the right word, but we've all called out when Gerrard's waited to the 80th minute to make three subs and we've so it's been clear to see we needed something something changed. So absolutely fair play. And I think it still was a bit of a gamble taking off Kemal Roof as well. I know Haji brings that spark, but Kemal Roof has showed the last few weeks that he can he, he can pop up with a goal or even make a make a chance of it or nothing. So second half kicks off and I think I don't still think we're the better team, Ian, but I think for the first 10, 15 minutes was there's a bit of life back in here, and as Graham says. No, definitely. I felt the second half was a lot more even. I felt Celtic absolutely dominated the first half. And and as you say, Hadji, he's he's one that's always wanting the ball. So and he's within ten minutes he's had a shot and he's done more than the the front three had the whole first half within ten minutes, hasn't he? Yeah, I'd, I'd said I thought he'd start. Um, I felt he's been playing really well. Uh, so, and Gerard even said it before the game, Hadji's not been dropped. It's It was more a case of he felt other people were, were better suited. I mean, like he also said Roof had a wee niggle, didn't he? If Roof doesn't have that wee niggle, does he make that change? I don't know. Uh, I did think we needed a change. And I did think Hadji made a difference. I was I was still surprised at it. I thought maybe Zungu, because I felt we were getting overrun in the midfield and and Aribo's had a it was Aribo gave the ball away in the edge of our box, wasn't it? For the Griffiths for the, the one more save. I didn't think Aribo was having a great game, so I was surprised that he stayed on. But yeah, Hadji's definitely come on and made a difference for me, right? Yeah, I actually thought it, it may have took uh, Aribo off and either do a like for like with Hadji or put Zungu on and it for a rebo and maybe ask him out to play a bit further forward just to give us a bit more stability in the midfield. But 
he didn't and fair play what is Low Company we got the result so Graham I think it was you that mentioned earlier on about the the comparison between the this game and the League Cup final last year I think yeah, before we get to the goal I think um, going in it getting to 60 odd minutes and still being nothing each I think as much as we were coming into the game I think you can maybe start to there's maybe an argument that Celtic started to realise this wasn't going to be their game just like we realised last year when we had chance after chance after chance it wasn't going to be their game I think um, <laughs> there's such a mentality shift yeah, that's, maybe they have lost it. It was something they used to always be able to scrape a goal, or and not just in the old firm games, but they always used to have that ability to just grind out a result. And it just didn't happen yesterday. It just did not happen. Um, McGregor's a key part of that, as we've already mentioned. Just and and that's what I was saying. It must be so demoralising to them when they do get through. They get through maybe three, four times, and they just can't break. They just can't break the can't break the deadlock um, yeah I think it is a, you're right it might just be this mentality is now going to switch and we're going to have a, a you know fingers crossed it is but this could just be a defining moment where we now dominate for a long period of time well here's hoping so on to the 60 second minute what's, uh, what's that um, phrase that they used to always shout Sapnin beat on is that what it was get up them so that, as as we said, Rangers were starting to look a bit more confident, starting to get a hold of the game a little bit more. Not going to say they were a better team, but Tavernier's dribbling out from deep, uh, from his own half. And this is, for me, this is key Morelos. This is why I've always like argued that he has a role to play in his team, in the team, uh, even when he's not scoring. This is what he used to do in Europe time and time again last year, Ian. He would make that run across the defenders. You know, I think he, he actually, you can't really see it too much, too great in the telly, but he starts his run, he's with Ayer, and then he runs across him, and Ayer has to pass him on to beat him, and there's a bit of uncertainty. He runs onto that ball, Tavernier knows where, where he's going, and Morelos just does him from, for pace. Beating brings him down, and for me, it was a straight red. Absolutely, a straight red. That, that was a tackle more... more um for the east end of the, the country, eh? It's a Fred Murrayfield. I mean, he's got absolutely... He does Neil Lennon's complaint at the end of the match, that's just ridiculous. Like, I mean, he thinks Ayer's going to cover. He thinks Morelos isn't he, in a goal-scoring position. Yeah, he's... Barkas is a terrible goalkeeper. I mean, what more does he want for it to be a goal-scoring opportunity? He's absolutely done beat on with his, his turn. And he does what every good striker should do. He gets across his man... And then Beton's Beton's either got to stick his hands up and stop, or like pull him down like he does. It's it's a definite red card, and how any Celtic fan could complain about that is is beyond me. Always cheated, never defeated. But that's uh, <laughs> at that point, I thought that this is kind of what we were talking about. You know, Celtic have only taken their chance when they were dominant. Now they're doing ten men, and just the way Rangers have been going this season, that's. You know, I'm not going to say I was like I was adamant they were going to win, but this is like everybody else. I'm like this. I had every faith Rangers would go and take their chance. So straight away they started to look more comfortable. Graham, I actually thought 
this was a, an absolute golden opportunity. Though a couple of minutes later, a great ball in for Tavernier. Uh, Golson and Hadji are both in the box, and I don't know why they both don't go to it. But if any one of them choose or an inch further forward and get their head to it, that's a that's a, a golden opportunity. That was only other than the goal. I can't really think of any other opportunities we had during the game, did we? Was that just a communication thing? I don't know. I was amused at that as well. You know, Hadji had the opportunity to easily just stick anything on it and it was directed towards goal and I think it was going to be a goal. So I'm not sure if he got a wee shout for goals or something happened. But yeah, it was very odd that somebody just didn't stick their head on it. And that was, because that was right after the sending off. So I think that would have been ideal timing the only other one that I can think of was Barisic had a free kick um, Tav had sort of bust his way through the midfield and get brought down by two of them I think McGregor and Laxalt brought him down and Barisic had a free kick for 25 yards but yeah that's the only two that I can think of um, apart from the goal yeah, he had one at the end eh? and then Ryan Kent had one that, well Duffy just passed it to him yeah. yeah, sorry, I meant before the goal, but yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Aye. Yeah, but even now with the goal, this, even including the goal, this was the best, this was Rangers' best chance for a goal. If you get what I mean, that's uh, it was a golden opportunity, and it must have been uh, one of them heard a shout, or the other one thought the other one was going through it. But if any one of them choose to I go a neck on it, then Barkas is not a great keeper. Uh, that would have been one 0 but we didn't have to wait too long for 1-0. Uh, eight minutes after the sending off, corner in from James Tavernier to the front post. It's actually a decent corner, I think. Joe Rebo, he just gets a, a nick on his head and he slightly deflects it. So when Carl McGregor's got the... And if it wasn't for Joe Rebo, Carl McGregor would have cleared it. But it hits off McGregor's shoulder and the ball glides into the far corner. 1-0 Rangers. Ian, it's not the it's not going to win goal this season, but fucking hell, we would we'd take it. Absolutely, it doesn't matter how it goes in as long as it goes in. Yeah, I think like it's uh, Aribo's got to be flick on it, eh? and I think it's a penalty if it doesn't go in. He's, I mean, his arm kind of comes up and it hits him in the arm, and then if if it if it doesn't, if it's not going in, Morelos has got a tap in at the back post as well. But yeah, I think we needed that wee bit of luck, didn't we? We just We'd had, McGregor had been brilliant at one end for us, but we had nothing at the other end, really. So that wee bit of luck to just get is that goal. I think it came at a really good time as well. Before they were properly settled again for the man being sent off, we managed to get that goal. And um, yeah, once we scored that goal, you know, we were never going to... I didn't see a way back in for them. I thought that that was... Heads would have dropped for them after that, after being so dominant. And I was essentially not having any shots on goal. It'd be it'd be leading. I think you said the arena would be a, a penalty if it hadn't been. Do you mean for the handball? Yeah, aye, would it not? Aye. If it wasn't for that as well, there was grappling in the box. Duffy had a a, a full hand um, of the jersey, and he's pulling the guy down. You know, um, so I think there was multiple penalties in there. And just before the pitch, just before the corner get took. Um, the referees had a word. He's had to call a few players and say, you know, what, what they usually do, you know, stop, stop the pulling, stop the pulling. So he must have had his eyes on it. So if that, if it didn't go in, if it didn't go in the, the goal, it's a penalty for the handball, if you like. And if it's not that, there's all sorts of pulling in the box. It should be a penalty. So 
Um, but no, I totally agree with everything you just said there. It was a, um, a great time to get the goal as well. So sticking with the referee decisions, Graham, since you're uh, the, the gallant few resident ref, uh, 74 minutes in, there's more cards showing that we've already spoken about him. Every, every Rangers fan's favourite Tim at the moment, Shane Duffy, he lunges into Ken. I thought that was a terrible tackle, diving in with his right leg, but his left leg's kind of coming through the back like a scissor motion as well. I thought he was lucky to stay on the park here. Yeah, it's a red card for me, I think. Um, only because there's no way he's getting the ball. You know, I get that he's just trying to bring him down and you get you get that's fair enough. Just trip him up, bring him down. But it's that left leg that comes through. It's that scissor motion. There's absolutely no need to do that. So he's out to hurt. He's out to injure. Um, very dangerous play. Um, and for me, it's a, it's, a, it's a red card, yeah, definitely. It doesn't have to be like a, a goal-scoring opportunity for it to be a red card. It's it was just really, really reckless play. So definitely, and you can see why. You know, there was automatically there was seven Rangers players running about the referee, going, you know, what are you going to do about that? So it was, and that's usually an indicator as well. When you can see the players going after nut, that's an indicator to say that wasn't a very good challenge and. Yeah, so for me, definitely red card. Then what, what happens is there's just a melee of people pushing and shoving and pushing and shoving. Pick two players, that's what you do. That's what you're taught to do. Pick a, a player from each side and book them. So that's just to appease everybody. And uh, I think it was Morelos and I think McGregor get um, booked for Celtic. But yeah, definitely red card. And those yellow cards you just need to accept is whoever's been pushing the hardest or whatever. So, just on, just on Morelos, um, and I get I'm biased towards, so I thought he was hard done that he get booked for this one, because there, as you say, Graham, there's, he's picked two players, and I think Bobby Madden's picked Morelos because he knows he has to pick a Rangers player, and he'll probably get the least amount of stick if he boots Morelos, just because he is, but he was doing no more, no less than the rest of them there. But at the same time, Ian... You mentioned that the first five minutes he kind of leaves one own front point. He should have been booked there. Um, like, is Morelos lucky to be on the park still, or was one booking enough for him that game? Yeah, you've got an argument that he could have been off. Um, I do think the one in the first on front point, he, he has left a bit on him, and I do think that's a booking. I'd be wanting a booking if it was the other way around. Else, well, I think Soros lucky he's still been on the park. I mean. He had uh, a challenge where he's, he's just grabbed Ruth's leg early in the match, and that's just clearly stopping a player. And I don't know, is that a booting, Graham? Would that, surely pulling back a player is just a booting. For me, it is. Um, and then he goes on to have maybe another six or seven fouls in the first half alone. Um, and then followed by his, uh, his challenge of Barisic that finally gets him booked. Uh, so I think maybe both teams have got away with one a wee bit there today. Um, for me, the Duffy one's a ridiculous challenge. I'd like to see challenges like that be a red card, no matter how bad a challenge is. I'd like to see if it... So if you're stopping a clear attack well, with no real intention to play the ball, that that's a red card. Like, I don't know how to, you'd say it. Like, but one booking's for the foul and another booking for unsportsmanlike conduct uh, or something to make it a red card. I know... Regardless of how bad the foul is, for me, that should be a red card. You shouldn't be just allowed to stop an attack with no real attempt to play the ball. 
and that's what Duffy's done. He's stopped an attack with no attempt to play the ball. Well, that's what he's been yellow carded for. He's been yellow carded for the tackle. The, 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 the promising attack doesn't really come into it. It's, uh, it's it was just a bad challenge, and that's what he's been yellow carded for. So I don't think you can get, I don't think you can double up on that and then say, I appreciate what you're saying, though. It's a bad challenge, and you're stopping an attack, so you want them double penalised, if you like, or that you want the punishment to be harsher. But I find that that'd be quite hard because we do it a lot as well in Europe. You yeah. Know, we, you know, we pull people back. We don't stop. We don't want to be broke on, so we we stop the counter attack and we just make sure it doesn't happen. Uh, no, I'd find that hard. I don't think Morelos is lucky to be on the park, though. Um, I don't think that's right to say. If if Morelos did get booked in that first first challenge in the first couple of minutes, Bobby Madden wouldn't have booked him there. So when it came to that melee. Bobby Madden would have picked somebody else and booked him. All he's trying to do is just appease people and say, right, I've, I've dealt with that team and I've dealt with that team. He wouldn't have then shown Morelos a second yellow. He's just trying to pick somebody out. And it just happens to be that um, Morelos was the closest to him. No, I agree with you, Graham. The, the reason I mention it is, you know, the usual media puppets will uh, pop up and say that about Morelos. And, you know, in the interest of being balanced, I know I've got a bias toward Morelos and... Uh, can I do it in Ryan waste of time in my eyes but so I was just making sure I wasn't being uh, too high too healthy focused but what I did love uh, we'll finish on a positive note with Morelos uh, I don't know if you have him on Instagram or follow him on Instagram so the usual after the big win uh, most players will like <laughs> put up a kind of inspirational photo of them from the game or good three points a day Tavernier does it all the time and it's usually him like shouting at somebody Morelos put the photo of him pushing Scott Brown in his Instagram Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 my favourite nutter he really is so for the next 10 minutes there is a couple of chances at either end uh, think that is Elianusi has a decent target just hits the roof of the net, but I think McGregor's getting that. He kind of stops himself from jumping outstretched. He knows that's going over. That was the best chance they had. And as we said, um, Etten and Kent had uh, a couple of chances towards the end, but nothing really came off uh, for us. And nothing really concrete as a golden opportunity, I would say. So, yes, to full time, Rangers won Celtic now. Every old firm game. I always kind of dream about walking away with 7 or 8 nil, but I never thought I would love love the shithouse today so much of no having a shot on target, Ian, and still winning the game. That is just, that's fucking tremendous, isn't it? Well, it's, it's brilliant. It doesn't get any better to, to, to beat them and not have a shot on target. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's, I don't know, they, it, it's like, I don't know, it just it must wind them up so much, which is brilliant. It's anything that winds them up is brilliant. So aye, to 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 not have a shot on target and win is is, is brilliant. So Ian, I'll ask you uh, question one and Graham question two then on how what this means for the rest of the season or the kind of immediate future then. So Ian, Celtic do have three games in hand, but Rangers are nineteen points clear. Slightly over the halfway point and if we asked for what the kind of perfect scenario would have been in January at the start of the season, we're talking maybe six, seven points clear. Even Stelly win our games in hand, we're ten points clear. We we're in a great position and it's it's only down to us to lose now, surely. 
Oh, well, definitely. I mean, they can, they, they've got to win every game now, haven't they? Like, are we going to lose four? I don't see it. I mean, like, the mentality shift in this team is, is unbelievable. So, it, for us to lose four games, it's going to take them beating us twice and then a couple of other teams. I, I actually think if we get through January with the same gap, because we've got, we, we now go to Pataudry, and then at the end of the month, we go to Easter Road. If we get through those two games, still being 10 points ahead, it's done for me. Absolutely done. Because uh, then Hibs, Aberdeen and Celtic all have to come to Ibrooks after the split. So, yeah, January is a big month for us. If we can get through January being t- 10 points ahead, um, it's it's absolutely over for me. Counteracting that um, positive outlook, Graham, we'd be, we'd be daft if we don't if we don't call out, we've not been at our fluent best the last few games and, you know, Motherwell, we were terrible for maybe 70 minutes. Hibs, we were slightly the better team, but Hibs gives a lot of problems. We've had the games against St Mirren and then, you know, we, we can't paper over the cracks with, with this one. No, when we won the great yesterday, uh, no even, I don't think there was a, a 10-minute period of the game where we looked dominant. As now we're in January, we we don't have we don't have a midweek game for a month. What do we need to do now? Like do we need to kind of recharge the batteries? Do we need to work on the training pitch or is it just was it just a case of seeing out this run of form? I think my pessimism's rubbing off on you, Colin. Um I don't think we need to be too pessimistic. Um <coughs> Ian's right to raise the two away games. There's actually three away games in January. There's another one for Motherwell. Appreciate obviously Aberdeen and Hibs are the, the 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 tougher of those three matches, but he's absolutely right. If we it's and it's, it's felt like this now for about a month now. Is can we just keep chalking them off? I've probably said that a few pods now. Can we just keep chalking them off? Every one, every three points that we take is just an extra step closer. And I don't. Yeah, there's no reason to be too pessimistic. Well, defence is absolutely solid. We're not conceding any goals. So the worst that can happen, that's not the worst that can happen. What you know, the, the worst that you can see happening is maybe we don't pick up all three points and we draw. That's still points on the board, but I just don't even see his drawing points. Aberdeen, I think, will do okay. Motherwell, I think, there's also Ross County in, the, in this month, and then Hibs. I mean, pick, take that. If we can even get ten points, let's you know, let's put pessimism on it and let's. Put ten points onto that. Ten points onto that totals absolutely fine by me. I, I think we'll still be able to see the season out. And that's and that what a feeling. What a, what a way to what a way to now start thinking is that we can now start to see out the season. We are we're so far in front, and it's just now up to us. It's not like we need to think. Okay, we just need to um, keep winning, but we also need to do something at Parkhead, or we also need to get another old firm victory. We don't. We just need to keep seeing out these games, and the league's ours. What a position to be in. I think that was maybe my the scar tissue the last few years talking, but I feel a lot better after that. Um, that was that was more inspirational than the Braveheart speech. Well done, Graham. Uh, <laughs> Ian. Uh, one last question before we start wrapping up. Do you think we need to strengthen anything anywhere in January? Is there anywhere urgent we need to strengthen? Or is it just about keeping the key players in the squad fit and healthy as it is? 
Uh, I don't really think we need to strengthen. I don't think it's also about keeping them fit and healthy. I think it's about just keeping them in general. Um, the way a couple of players like Tav and Barisic have played, Kamara as well, I'd be surprised if no bids come in for any of the three players in particular. I think those three have been have been excellent. Like I think Stephen Davis has been excellent, but he's at a stage where nobody's really going to come in and buy him. And I also think he's he's, he's highly unlikely to want to leave again. Um, McGregor as well. Like so, our three guys. I think we need to keep hold of are Kamara, Barisic, and Tav. Uh, maybe even Goldson. At the start of the season, I'd say I'd bite Leeds hand off for six million. I'd see if they don't add another twenty to that now. I'm I'm not anywhere. I'm not even going to entertain that. But I've gone gone full circle on Goldson. But yeah, so I'd be making sure we hold on to day four and probably actually get try to get rid of a couple of the maybe Barker and Stewart because um, I don't really see what they add. Um, maybe numbers, but I'd be looking at maybe even having. Kai Kennedy back ahead of Barker. I think we've got enough cover in the forward area with Etten and Defoe. So, yeah, hold on to players more than sign MD for me. Ian, there's no way any of those players are going to leave. No way. You know, you're not going to take the club captain away in January, four months away from a <clears throat> monumental season like that. Barisic, no chance. None of them's going to want to leave. They're about to just secure their, their place in history. They're going to get a, a winner's medal, which is why they've came to Rangers. None of them are going to want to leave. So even if we did accept a bid, I think it would be future dated to say, OK, we'll, 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 we'll take the money and we'll, we'll sign the contract, but it doesn't start to June or it doesn't start to July when the season's over. There's there's no way anybody's want to leave. And I don't think it's in our interest. We've still got a UEFA Cup as well, so... You know, let's build a value. There's no point in selling them. Let's add another five million on them and have a great European run. I think uh, it may be fortunate timing as well. Maybe the likes of Barisic and Kamara, whose stocks so high compared to what they were maybe a year or eighteen months ago. We've got the European Championships coming up, so even if a bid does come in, those players should be, if they're not thinking this, they should be thinking this because they've got absolute talent and abundance. They should be thinking along the lines of, I, I could be able to get to one of the top clubs in Europe, depending on how I play in the European Championship. Say, a, for example, a West Ham coming for Borna Barisic. If I'm Barisic, I, I'd be waiting to do my stuff for the European Championships. If, you know, if he's got the same amount of confidence we all do ha- have in his own ability, well, that that brings us to an end to the show, or almost to an end to the show. It's uh, my favourite and uh, Graham Curry's uh, least favourite part of the show, Twitter Partner of the Week. Your chance to tell the listeners what's the funniest thing you've seen in the world of social media, Rangers-related or not Rangers-related if you're really struggling. <laughs> what's the funniest thing you've seen this week? Uh, so it's no Twitter, it's no social media, but a special mention for the post-match interview with Neil Lennon. Um, I've, I've seen a few interviews with him and he's absolutely cracking up. Um, I'm actually surprised he, did, he won't get cited. Well, I won't be surprised, but I think he should. Some of his comments towards the referee. But it's just, you just love to see it. You love to see him get off in one. Everything, it's never his fault. You know, I, 
uh, if he could just take a wee bit of ownership. Um, but yeah, it was the ref's fault. It was absolutely everybody's fault. Um, you could see the steam coming out of his ears. So, not Twitter part of the week, but it made me laugh considerably. That'll do. That'll do for me. Ian, have you got anything for us? Uh, it's, it's, I've seen it on Twitter, but it's it's from RTV and it was Emma Dodds uh, at the end of the game where she say, she's talking about Shane Duffy and she has she says, what about Shane Duffy's contribution? And she has a wee chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> she says it. It's brilliant that he's so bad that even the, the host is taking the piss. Um, so the obvious choice would be to read out anything from Kerry Dale Meltdown but as you know listeners we don't want to choose recycle that and we won't do it justice so go and have a look in Kerry Dale Meltdown I'm actually going to take one from last week I think it was Monday this one was posted um, after the Hibs game a guy Alex Anderson on Twitter he was talking about Glenn Kamara so the tweet was Glenn Kamara gives me the same hyper extension fear Kevin Thompson used to every time he goes in for those unwinnable tackles and then wins them I'm like the sheriff's wife in an old western threatened for his safety as he does a de- as he does the very thing that made me fall in love with fall in love with him in the first place a bit of self-indulgent plug-in before we finish up we are now on Spotify at this point in the show like 47 minutes in it's probably fair to assume you're either already listening to Spotify or your preferred podcast platform but just so you know, we are now available there and tell your pals. As always, if you could like and subscribe on wherever, whatever platform you're using, it would be much appreciated. Even more so appreciated would be if you can get in touch, let us know what you think, whether you agree or disagree, or if you're indifferent on any social media platform or follow, follow. Always great to hear what you think, even if you do think we're talking shit, which is more often than not. So thank you, everybody, for listening. All that's left to do is find my two pals for joining me, Ian McCready. Thanks for having us. And Graham Curry. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, Ian. Take care. Thanks for listening.